شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقسط لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين ما بعد فتري وغنا جون كارينون فم صلاة الجماعة which is the rulings around the congregational prayer صلاة الجماعة last week we've taken that the ruling on صلاة الجماعة is what سنة according to according to شافعي ماذا but this is the opinion of الإمام الرافعي الإمام الرافعي from the شافعي scholars الإمام النووي's opinion was what that is فرض كفاية communal obligation that's that's stronger والله أعلم يعني تسي السنة that's no والله أعلم the evidence is they show that it is either فرض عين أو فرض كفاية either communal obligation or an individual obligation upon every man who's able to go to the masjid that they have to go to the masjid ولكن والله أعلم فرض كفاية it is a communal obligation meaning the جماعة must be established in the community That's not evidence for what? That is evidence for being fired. That's not evidence then, you can't say otherwise. What makes that not strong enough to say it's fine? Yeah, in that case, the person who can hear the adhan, the blind man, because he may be the one who can hear the adhan. Adhan, to make it fired upon the one who can hear the adhan. All in nid. You can say that the Prophet commanded it, but the fact that he commanded it doesn't always show that it's obligatory, right? Sometimes it can show that it is. Mustahab voluntary because we have other evidences where the Prophet alluded to the fact that it's not the individual obligation. For example, the hadith when the Prophet said that the person who prays by himself, as opposed to the one who prays in jama'ah, is 27 times. That shows that the one who prays by himself still gets the reward. And he asks him later, maybe possibly. So, so we said that, and then we said وعلى المعون. Now we're talking about شروط الاقتداء. The scholars they normally have a whole, يعني under صلاة الجماعة in the bigger books of fiqh when you go into the 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 topic of the congregational prayer. Under it, they have a subtopic which they call شروط الاقتداء, the conditions of being of following an imam. So, for you to be considered to be part of the jama'ah, what do you have to do? What do you have to do to be considered to be part of the congregational prayer? Is someone who's watching Mecca on their screen and he prays behind a sheikh in the Kaaba, is he considered to be part of that congregation or not? You understand? This is what we're about to learn. Whether those, what, what makes you part of the congregation? Is that clear? Hmm? طيب, number one, The first condition is that the one who is following the Imam must intend to follow the Imam. The one who's following the Imam must intend to follow the Imam. If a person is praying by himself and there's a congregation, in that same masjid, then he doesn't get the reward of the congregation because he did not follow the imam. He didn't have the intention because he didn't have the intention of praying by himself. Dun al-imam, sorry, it's a condition for the ma'moom. Ma'moom is what? Who's the ma'moom? Oh, the back. Who was ma'moom? Ma'moom? The one who's being led right, in the congregation. And imam is the one leading. So I don't want to translate all the time. Huh? Ma'moom is what? The one being led. Imam is? The one who's leading, طيب. So the ma'moom, the one who's being led, the ma'moom, he has to have, he has to, is a condition that he has to intend to follow the imam. As for the imam, then he doesn't have to have the intention to lead. 
to be the Imam. Yani if a person is praying the Salah in the Masjid by himself, someone comes behind him and starts following him, and he does not know what's happening, then his, the, the Ma'moom, his Salah is still correct. Like in the Imam, because he didn't have the intention of being Imam, what does he miss out on? The, the reward of being in the Jama'ah. He's not considered to be part of the congregation. Uh, he doesn't get the reward of being in the, in the congregation. You understand? You understand the difference? So if an Imam, he's, he's leading the Salah, but he unknowingly, someone's following him, but he doesn't know, then he misses out on the reward of the congregational prayer. But if he knows that someone's following him and he intends to be the Imam, then he gets the reward of the congregational prayer. And that's the difference. But it's not a condition for the Imam to know. As for the Imamum, then it's a condition. He has to be following the Imam. Mm. Sorry? That is what the intention is. If you know someone's following him, that's the intention. That's the intention. If you know someone's following him, then that's the intention. Hmm? Every, every, every salah. Every salah, this for every salah. Intention can change. You're, 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 praying, you're praying by himself, you're munfarid. You still miss out, yeah. You still miss out. ولو أدرك المسبوق الإمام طيب هي إذا مسألة هي which is when have you are you considered to have reached the جماعة when are you, are you considered to have reached the جماعة the the شارح he says ولو أدرك المسبوق الإمام في الركوع فهل يدرك الركع الصحيح الذي عليه الناس وأطبق عليه الأئمة كما قاله في أصل الروضة أنه يكون مدركا لها if a person he reaches the imam and he joins the salah whilst the imam is in ruku' and he gets into ruku' before the imam moves from the ruku' at all, then that person has reached the jama'ah. Do you understand? So the imam is in ruku' and the person who walks into the salah and he goes into ruku' and the imam is still in ruku' and hasn't moved even a little bit. He hasn't even said sa' sami Allahu liman hamid. He hasn't even said that. He's still in ruku' and then, they, and then he reaches the ruku' then he's reached that raka'ah. You've, you've reached that raka'ah. Okay? As for reaching the actual jama'ah, the congregational prayer, then you've reached the congregational prayer according to the Shafi'iyah if you reached any part of the salah, even if you reach just the last tashahud, the last second of the tashahud. You get inside the salah and you sit down and you get into the tashahud and the Imam says, Salaam alaykum wa rahmatullah, you've reached the jama'ah. You've got the reward for the jama'ah according to the Shafi'i scholars. So there's a difference between reaching the raka'ah and reaching the jama'ah. Reaching the rak'ah, you have to get into the ruku' before the imam moves in any way, shape or form in that ruku' from that ruku' You have to go say Allahu Akbar which is takbiratul ihram and then go into ruku' And then you, you, stay, you, you go into ruku' and your family there, you're there now Then the imam can move If the imam moves whilst you're going into ruku' you've missed it If the imam moves or if another problem that a person does is Instead of uh, saying takbiratul ihram, they start the salah say Allahu Akbar what they do is they say Allahu Akbar whilst they're moving to go to get a cash the ruku'ah. That person also his salah is invalid. Not only has he not reached the, the ruku'ah, the raka'ah, but his salah is also invalid. Why? Because he's not standing whilst saying the takbiratul ihram. Remember we said takbiratul ihram, the initial takbirah, Allahu Akbar, when you start the salah, it's a pillar of the salah. And therefore if you, do, if you don't do it properly, then your salah is invalid. From the conditions of this takbirah, is for you to do it while standing. So if a person is doing it whilst moving, then he hasn't done it properly, therefore he missed the pillar of the salah, therefore his salah is invalid. So a person has to say, Allahu Akbar, then he can go into ruku' And, and he, reach the, he will reach the raka'ah as long as the imam doesn't move. 
Another common mistake here is the imams. Imams who are not people of fiqh. They don't know how to, they don't know about the salah. And the imam is a, is a, is a, yeah, is a big position. It's not a small position. Being the imam, is in, it requires knowledge. Uh, one of the mistakes that some imams they do is that when they're in the ruku', they're in ruku', they get up, and then when they're up, right, in the straight up, then they say, Sami'allahu liman hamida. Tayyib, what if someone, he can't see the imam? He's downstairs, for example, the imam's upstairs. He comes, in, he comes downstairs, everyone's in ruku', he goes into ruku', but unknowingly the imam already got up. But he goes into ruku' because he can't hear the imam saying anything, because he can't see the imam. And you can't hear the imam saying anything because the imam is stand, going up without saying anything. Without saying, Sami Allahu liman hamida. So the imam, he's down in ruku', he gets fully up, then he says, Sami Allahu liman hamida. What is he supposed to do? He's supposed to stay whilst moving. Sami Allahu liman hamida. As soon as he starts moving, he should start saying, Sami Allahu liman hamida. Because the position of these words of the takbirat, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, is whilst moving. It's whilst moving. It's not whilst. Being in a position for let me let me for those maybe some people look confused. Uh, some people the imams they're like this, they're, they're they're standing up, the imams there, and then the imam he goes down like this. Allahu Akbar. He goes into ruku' and then he says Allahu Akbar. And that's a mistake because now let's say I'm the imam, I'm in ruku', I'm getting up. Someone's joining the salah but he can't see me. He's going into ruku'. He thinks I'm still in ruku', right? What so what I do is like this. Has he reached the rak'ah? No, he hasn't reached the rak'ah, but he doesn't know. So who's the sin on? The sin is the imam. The imam, he has to say, whilst moving up. All the takbiratul intiqal, the takbirat of movement, is like this. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Whilst moving, during the movement. Because that's why it's called, that's why it's called takbiratul intiqal. The takbirat of movement. Because you do it whilst you're moving. And it's important. In fact, the Hanabila, the Hanbalis, and this is not an opinion that we necessarily follow, the Hanbalis, they say that if you move, if you, you say Allahu Akbar knowingly in the wrong position whilst you're standing up, for example, before or after the, the movement, then your salah is invalid. Because for them, takbir, what's the ruling on it? Is wajib. And you move the wajib from its correct place. So if you do that knowingly, then your salah is invalid, according to them. So it's important to know about this so that the people, they know when they're going to reach the Rukur now. Questions are going to be very little today, huh? Please, no, no, me to make a question. Yeah, you finish the takbir whilst you're moving. <coughs> طيب, then he said, then he said, um, now that's how you reach the rak'ah. طيب. <coughs> that's the first condition, which is the, the, the intention. Huh? The next condition is, Did I, move, did I miss the page? That's right, huh? No. The next condition is that you have to pray behind someone you're allowed to pray behind. You have to pray behind someone you are allowed to pray behind. Yeah, and you're not allowed to pray behind certain people. And if you pray behind certain people, then your salah is invalid. So first he says what you, who you are allowed to pray behind. He says, وَالْعَبْدِ A person you're allowed to pray behind, a free person or a slave. Yani whether the, 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 the Imam, he's a slave or not, the Salah is still valid. <coughs> because we know slaves, they have some certain rulings in, in, in Islam that are different to the free person. Like in this situation, there's no difference. Whether the person is a slave or a free person, the Salah is valid. Wal-Baligi wal-Murahiq. 
Also, the one who's at the age of puberty, you're allowed to pray behind them. That's clear. Yani someone who's reached the age of puberty. Like in, the, are you allowed to pray behind someone who has not reached the age of puberty? Well, murahiq. That's the murahiq. The one who is below the age of puberty. But he has tamiz. He can tell the difference between good and bad. He's at an age where he knows things. He's not a uh, two-year-old kid or a three-year-old kid. Huh? Someone who's around uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, those ages. Murahiq. It's called tamiz. Are you allowed to pray behind someone like that? There's difference of opinion. And wallahu alam, the Shafi'i, they say you're allowed. Why? Because we have the hadith of Amr ibn Salama or Salima, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He was a child amongst his people. And he said, he said, radiallahu Al-Bukhari narrates that he used to lead his people at the age of six or seven. Why? Because he used to say that. I, the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when they was to go past our tribe most of my people, my tribe, they will be busy with trading with them as for me then I would go to them to learn the Quran and so the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he said to us أقرأكم, let the one who has knows the most Quran let him lead then he said um, I was the one who knew the most Quran at the age of six or seven because I used to be busy learning the Quran and so I used to lead the Salah of my people and that shows that and he's at the age of six or seven, not the age of puberty. But he knows what he's doing. Therefore, the salah was valid with him. That shows, this, this hadith shows the evidence that a person below the age of puberty is able to lead the salah as long as they know what's happening. And then he said that, I was leading the salah until a woman, she said, Inna imamakum. He said, your, your imam, his backside is showing because he only had one piece of clothing. So cover him. So they bought him a new piece of cloth to lead the salah for them. And so he said, I was never happy with anything more than that day with that clothing. I was happy with that clothing because of the young child. Tayyip. Um, so he says, you're allowed to leave, pray behind. Who are you not allowed to pray behind? A man is not allowed to pray behind a woman. A man is not allowed to pray behind a woman. And this is by almost ijma'. Some narrated, maybe a, a few or one scholar that uh, Ibn Jarir narrated from him that he allows it, um, a woman for a man like in, this is weak and no, no, يعني, it's unacceptable for a person to say there's difference of opinion on this issue rather a man is not allowed to pray behind a woman قطعاً, no doubt a man is not allowed to pray behind a woman um, and a qari is not allowed a qari is not allowed to pray behind an ummi an illiterate what, what does a qari, uh, qari يعني, have to do with illiteracy or something like that Iqari, what it means here is a person who is able to recite Fatiha correctly. He is not allowed to pray behind someone who is illiterate Ummi, يعني, according to the Fuqaha, when they use the word Ummi in this chapter, what they mean is a person who is not able to recite Surah Al-Fatiha. He is considered to be illiterate. A person who is not able to recite Surah Al-Fatiha is considered to be illiterate. So if a person is able to recite Surah Al-Fatiha and the person leading the Salah, he changes the meaning of Surah Al-Fatiha. Either by he doesn't do some of it shadda. He doesn't say iyaka. He says iyaka. Or he says alhamdulillahi, for example. Or he can't pronounce some of its letters. He can't pronounce the za, thal. He says za. Huh? Or he changes the, the meaning of Surah Al-Fatiha. Then in that case, you're not allowed to pray behind them if you're able to recite Surah Al-Fatiha. As for if you yourself can't recite Fatiha, then the Imam can't recite Fatiha, then you both are Ummi, so you both can pray behind each other. Lakin, the Qari, the one who's able to recite Surah Al-Fatiha correctly, is not allowed to pray behind someone who's not able to recite Surah Al-Fatiha correctly. Because Surah Al-Fatiha is a pillar of the Salah. Therefore, it has to be done correctly. 
One of the most common mistakes is the tashdidat, the shadda, the shadda. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ اهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمَةِ صِرَاطَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا الضَّالِينَ وَلَا الضَّالِينَ There's different mistakes that people make Changing a letter from another letter Whatever it may be uh, And the scholars they have uh, their speech on this Sometimes if the letters are very very close together Then they, they overlook it like ضَا and ضَاد وَلَا الضَّالِينَ وَلَا الضَّالِينَ they say because Ibn Kathir rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that because they are close together in their makhraj and their sifa, where they come from and their characteristics of dha and dad, then it's overlooked sometimes. Like in generally, a person who cannot recite Surah Al-Fatiha is not allowed to lead someone who can recite Surah Al-Fatiha. And a person who is not, he's able to recite Surah Al-Fatiha, if he prays behind someone who cannot, then his salah becomes invalid. <coughs> so that's the second condition, which is who you're allowed to pray behind. Type. Here, we, there's another mas'ala which is who has the most right to lead the salah? Who has the most right to lead the salah? The person who has the, mo the most right to lead the salah is the one that's mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When he said, Ya Ummu Qawmun, Aqra'uhum li kitabillah. The person who re leads the salah is the one who knows the book of Allah the most. The one who knows the book of Allah, يعني, the one who knows the Qur'an the most. What do they mean by knowing the Qur'an the most? Here's the difference of opinion. Some of the scholars like Ata' al-Khurasani and also other scholars, they mention that what is intended, and Imam Malik as well, Imam Malik as well, what they mean, they say that the one who is the most faqih, he has the most fiqh, and the most knowledgeable, the space over there, the one, the, the, the one who is the most knowledgeable in the sharia, in fiqh, and the one who knows the fiqh of the salah the most. And this is an opinion. And the other opinion is that it is the one who's memorized the most Qur'an. It's the one who's memorized the most Qur'an. And this opinion, Wallahu A'lam, conforms with the evidence that we just mentioned, right? Which was what? The hadith of? Huh? And that, when you said, I said the one, Ya Ummul Qawm, what does it mean? Ahfaz wal afqah. Aqra or afqah. Afqah is an opinion. Aqra is, yani ahfaz. What, which one is stronger? Whichever the hadith that shows that the ahfad is stronger, the one is memorized the most. The Amr Amr ibn Salama. Amr ibn Salima. The hadith we just mentioned, the young child. He was a young child amongst his people, but he used to lead the salah because he knew the most Quran. And he wouldn't be necessarily the most afqah, the one who'd know the most. Like you know, the other scholars they respond to that and they say and there's long, long, long difference of opinion on this. The point is, Wallahu A'lam, the opinion of uh, uh, those scholars is that the one who's memorized the most, and this is, this is strong, Wallahu A'lam. The one who memorized the most Qur'an is the one who has the most right to lead the Salah. Anyone else who hasn't memorized the most Qur'an, he wouldn't come on this level. So we have, the, remember we said we have four levels, right? We're going we're to come to أَقْرَأُكُمْ لِكِتَابِ اللَّهِ The one who's memorized the most. Then we're going to go to the next level. Now. Now, the one who's memorized the whole Qur'an, it takes precedence over him. The one who's memorized the whole Qur'an. طيب. طيب. Now, let's say we have two people who are the same. They both memorized the Qur'an. Then the Prophet sallallahu said, The one who knows the sunnah the most. The one who knows the sunnah the most. Meaning, not the most knowledgeable in hadith of the Prophet sallallahu And that one's clear. فَإِنْ كَانُوا فِي السُنَّةِ سَوَاءً 
فأقدمهم هجرة the one who done hijra first and this wallahu alam some scholars they say it's just from the companions the one who Mecca to Medina the one who done hijra first they are the ones who should lead that's at that time طيب the fourth one is فأقدمهم سلما فإن كانوا في الهجرة سواء فأقدمهم سلما أو سنة the one who, be, who is the oldest and another is the one who became Muslim first يعني no problem like in the one who the oldest the oldest one طيب that's if they are all the same in the first thing, the majority of the times we're not going to have, we're not going to go past the first two. The majority of the times what I'm going to see is the Quran, the, 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 either they're the same in the Quran, if they're not the same in the Quran, then knowledge is always clear. The majority of the times. This person has more fiqh, he knows about the sharia. Taib. The condition of this person, of the first one, the hafad, the one who's memorized the Quran the most, is what? Is that he knows the minimal rulings of the fiqh, of salah. He knows the minimal rulings of the salah. Huh? And he's, يعني, he is صالح للإمامة. He is someone who is allowed to be an Imam. يعني, he's a Muslim. Because sometimes you have a Kafir who knows more Quran than a Muslim. It doesn't mean he's allowed to be Imam. He is, knows the basics, fiqh of Salah. He knows how to pray. Then in that case, that person has the most right to lead the Salah. Wallahu subhanahu wa ta'ala alam. طيب, there's some exceptions here. The first exception is, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, لا يؤمن الرجل الرجل في سلطانه ولا في بيته إلا بإذنه. Or similar word in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He said No one should lead another person in his kingdom يعني You should not lead someone else in his own house so, so let's say someone comes to your house He is more knowledgeable than you in Quran Who has more right to lead? You or the one who remembers more Quran? The one who owns the house طيب, someone, that's, that's all the, the man in his house That's the first exception What also comes under this hadith is The imam of the masjid the Imam of the Masjid is there, is present. Another, uh, the, the big Sheikh comes to visit that Masjid. Who has more right, that big Sheikh or the Imam of the Masjid? Even if the big Sheikh is more knowledgeable. The Imam of the Masjid has more right to lead. And this is something that it goes, we go against, especially in the UK. In the UK I've seen. That they, the, anyone who comes out from outside, they are the one who leads the Salah. Because whether they're more knowledgeable or not. And it's not befitting if there is an Imam of the Masjid, if there is an Imam. If there is no Imam, then it's different. Like if there is an imam of the masjid and he's present, then no one should go in front of him except unless he gives, he gives him permission. Then the scholars, they differ. Is it better to give him permission or not? We'll speak about that inshaAllah ta'ala. Tayyip. The third one is the sultan, the leader, the Muslim leader. The Muslim leader in his kingdom. So let's say he's the president, the king of the country. Huh? The leader of the country has more right to lead anyone else in his country. In any masjid and any house. Yani if the leader of the country comes to your masjid and you're the imam, he has more right to lead. If the leader of the country comes to your house, he has more right to lead. Because his authority is more, is more wide. His authority is, yani is am, is general. As for your authority, then it's specific to that house. So his authority is around the whole, whole country. Therefore, wherever he is, he has most right to lead. Tayyib. The end of the hadith is, إِلَّا بِإِذْنِهِ Unless he gives him permission. So if someone gives you permission, the imam of the masjid comes and gives you permission, then it's fine. You're allowed to lead. Rather than Hanabila, they say if there is no permission, some of them they say your salah is invalid. The salah becomes invalid if you lead without the permission of the Imam. If you lead and the Imam is present and, the, and, and, and a person he leads without his permission, then the salah is invalid. According to that opinion, we don't necessarily follow that opinion. Like, that is an opinion, just it's interesting to mention. Taib, um, what is better? Is it better to allow the Imam to lead or not? Is it better to allow the Imam to lead? I mean, is it better for the person who has more right? 
someone who has more right. Is it better for him to lead or is it better for him to allow the person who is more knowledgeable to lead? Let's say you're the Imam of the Masjid or you're in your own house. <coughs> or you're in your own house. Should you let someone else lead? Is that better or not? Difference of opinion here. Imam al-Nawawi and other scholars, they say that it is better for you to let them lead. That's what they say. And the other opinion is that it is not better for you to let them lead. Why? Because number one, the hadith of the Prophet said, لا يا The asal is that you shouldn't let anyone lead. Unless you have permission. The second thing is that especially in the Imam of the Masjid, and this is something that our mashayikh, our teachers, they are, they are upon. Um, and this is something that was mentioned a lot of, a lot of my teachers, Sheikh Muhammad Muqtara Shinqiti, Hafizahullah. He mentioned this in, in a beautiful way. He says that a person in his own house, he is an authority. And so him leading hasn't, isn't, the, the, the impact isn't just on the fact that he's, uh, he's not going to be undermined. But for those people who are under his authority, they respect him more. Yani the Imam of the Masjid. Is, is it possible that if someone is the Imam of the Masjid, every time someone comes, he lets them, he, they, lead, they lead the Salah. Is it possible that the congregation of that Masjid who regularly pray there, is it possible that they're going to belittle the Imam? They're going to say, look, everyone is more knowledgeable than our Imam. Hmm? Is that possible? That's possible. And one of the maqasid of the sharia, one of the intentions in the sharia is for the people to not belittle the leadership. Whether it be general leadership, يعني, the Muslim leader, or whether it be the specific leadership يعني, in, in your own house. For example, a, a, a man in his house, when he's leading the salah and a big sheikh comes and he's leading the salah, what is his children going to think? They're going to respect him more. They're going to see the, their father as someone respectable. And that's intended in the sharia. It is intended for the ch children to see their father as someone respectable. It is intended for the congregation of the masjid to see the imam to be respectable. Why? Because they, he has authority over them and he's the one who commands them and gives them fatwa and, uh, and he's, they ask them questions and he's the one who advises them every Friday. And if he's advising them every Friday, Yom al-Jumu'ah, and then they, they, if they belittle him, they're not going to accept his, his advice, right? Just like that, if they, if they don't belittle him, if they, if they respect him, then they're more likely to take his advice. Similarly, the father at home. If the children, they respect the father at home and they see him to be someone of authority, then they're more likely to listen to him and obey him. Similarly, the leader of the country. The leader of the country, is, is, is one of the intentions of the sharia is for the Muslims to listen and obey to the listen, leader of the countries. We listen, we hear and we obey the leaders, the Muslim leader, the Muslim leader of the country. So if now he leads the salah in, in the haram, let's say, مثلا, let's say he was the imam of the haram, he was in, 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 in Mecca or Medina, right? Or in, in, in a local masjid. Huh? A, a leader, he goes... We're not talking about this country, this is UK, we don't have a Muslim leader. We're talking about in a, in a country where there is a Muslim leader. Let's say he goes and there's a big, the big masjid of that country. Whether they be Al-Jam, the big masjid of that country. He comes and he leads the salah there. What's that going to have on the, what effect is that going to have on the people? They're going to respect him more. And that's going to lead them to follow the sunnah on what? On doing what? Hearing and obeying him. Because the sunnah is to listen to you, obey the Muslim leader. And as long as they command you to do good. Unless they command you to do sin, in which case we don't hear and we don't obey them. Tayyip. So because of that, Wallahu alam, uh, a person should lead in his own authority, Wallahu alam. And if you allow someone else, then that's okay. And there is some scholars who say it's better to allow someone else if they're more knowledgeable. Is that clear? Someone has a question? Next one is next. Mm. Sorry, I didn't hear your question. So, on, on the, uh, 
no, I didn't say that. I said there's a difference of opinion. Some of them said you should let them lead if they're more knowledgeable. And some of them say you shouldn't let them lead. You should lead yourself. It's better. Which is better? Either way, it's allowed. Both are allowed. You're allowed to let them lead and you're allowed to lead yourself. What's not allowed is for them to lead without your permission. The man in the house, yeah, the, the, the father, father of the house. No, Allah And whoever the father allows. There's no father in the house, yeah, maybe Allah Maybe the oldest brother. Or generally, if there is multiple men in the house, then Allah Maybe the one who's more knowledgeable in the house. All the men say they're equal. And the one who's most knowledgeable. But if someone comes from outside, then no. They should. There should be one imam. Then he says, Now, the next condition is that you have to be close. Now we're talking about the position of the imam and the ma'mum, the place where they are, where they're standing. Can you be standing at home, watching the TV of Masjid al-Haram in Mecca, and you're being led by the Imam of the Masjid? No, you can't. So what, what are the limits? What are the limits of where the Imam is and where you are? Like we have four situations, or we have three situations. Number one is that the Imam and the Ma'moom, they're both inside the Masjid, inside the same Masjid. <coughs> Write that down. The Imam and the Ma'moom, they're all in the same Masjid. Number two is that the Imam and the Ma'moom, Sorry, the Imam is inside the Masjid and the Ma'moom is outside the Masjid. The Imam is inside the Masjid and the Ma'moom is outside of the Masjid. So the Imam is inside, we're outside. We're praying, we're praying behind, outside. The third one is they're both outside of the Masjid. The Imam and the Ma'moom, they're both outside of the Masjid. We're praying in the desert, we're praying in the park. All of these, they have different conditions for the Salah to be valid. Let's look at the first one. You guys got them, huh? <laughs> Anyone missing out? Who's missing out something? You guys are just writing. Okay, good. Taib. The, ima- the first one is what? They're both inside the masjid. Then we have conditions. Number one, Look, wherever you are in the masjid, it doesn't matter. If you are both inside the masjid, then that first condition is present. It doesn't, there is no condition of a distance. يعني, let's say we have in Masjid al-Haram, Mecca. The Imam is in all the way next to the Kaaba. I'm at the end of the new extension. End of the new extension. No one's there. I'm by myself. But I'm inside the masjid. It's fine. As long as you're inside the masjid, that's first condition. It's, it, it, there's no there's no condition basically there. Hmm. Sorry? You don't need sutra. For what? Who doesn't need sutra? Ma'mum. No, no, no. The imam is the ma'mum sutra. The imam is the ma'mum sutra. As long as you're inside the masjid, that, that's okay. But the condition is, You know about the salah of the imam. You know where the Imam is. How do you know where the Imam is in the Salah? Hearing or 
Seeing. Or yeah, when you say seeing, you can either see the Imam yourself, or you can see someone, you can see someone, you can see someone, you can see the Imam. Okay? So, as long as you know the Salah of the Imam, your Salah is valid, no matter where you are. So for the sisters, for example, sisters inside the masjid, when they're praying, if there's a sister at the end of the sister side, she's at the back of the sister side, and the Imam and only two people at the front of the masjid, and there's a, there's a door and the covering, but they can hear the Imam, they know where he is. The sister knows where the, where the Imam is. Is the Salah valid? Yes, as long as they're inside the same masjid. Right? As long as they're inside the same masjid. That's the first one. What happens? Yeah, if so someone, if you lose connection, so you don't know the salah of the imam anymore, and you don't know where the imam is, then you pray by yourself. You pray by yourself. You, 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 you um, leave the jama'ah and you, pray by, you finish the salah by yourself. Yeah, yeah, but you get the intention, the reward for your intention, inshallah. Tayyip, that's, that's if you're both inside the masjid. All you have to know is where the imam is. Either by seeing, or seeing someone you can see, someone you can see, someone, or by hearing. Tayyip, with the next condition is that as long as you don't go in front of the imam. As long as you're not in front of the imam. If you go in front of the imam, the salah is invalid. Because the Prophet wasallam told us, The imam was made to be followed. And you can't follow someone if you're in front if you're in front of him. And this is the opinion of the majority of the scholars. You, your salah is invalid if you go in front of the imam. طيب. The second uh, second uh, situation is what? The imam inside the masjid and the ma'mum is outside. He said, منه, We have an extra condition. So we have number the condition is that you have to be close to the congregation. You have to be close to the congregation. Yani, the distance between you and the last man of the congregation shouldn't be far. What do we mean by far? The Shafi'iyah, they say 300 dhira', which is approximately 150 meters. If you're 150 meters away from the last man in the congregation, then your salah is invalid. According to the Shafi'iyah. And what's better to say, Wallahu alam, is what the Hanbalis they say, is to say that as long as there's nothing cutting you off between you and the Congregation, like for example, a road. Yeah, and there's a road. One side of the road we're praying. The other side of the road, I'm I'm following the the jama'ah. If there's something that's cutting off a road, masluk, a road which people walk and they take part, they take they take that road. They're walking past that road, or they go. There's drivers, there's cars going past that road. Then you can't. Or a river, they say. Someone's on one side of the river. I'm the other side of the river. Can I pray behind him? No, you can't because there's a river between them. Is that clear? That is if we're outside of the masjid. Yeah, in between. Let's look at masjid haram, for example, in Mecca. We have, the, we, have the, we have the masjid, and then we have a road, and then we have hotels. Is the person allowed to pray on the, hot, well, the hotels, well, in his hotel, when there's road, is, 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 as long, unless the road is closed, and then the people, they start praying on the road, which happens in Ramadan and stuff like that, in Hajj, then that's okay. Like if there's a road now, if people, a drive is going past, and you're in your hotel, you're praying, you're not allowed. Is that clear? Mm. Mm. As no, no, يعني, as no, if, you can, if you can see the jama'ah We're talking about this is different This is now We're going to mention that It's different We're going to come to that That's different So that means you can't see the jama'ah, right? Yeah. That's invalid uh, It's different We're going to come to it We're going to come to it, inshallah That's different condition This one is This is قَرِيبًا مِنْهُ يعني You're close to the person that you can see We're talking about a person who's far away And he can see the last person But he's very far away Salah is invalid Okay, 
Like for example, you're on top of a mountain and trying to follow the haram. Impossible. The second condition is that you must know the salah of the Imam. You must know the salah of the Imam. How do you know the salah of the Imam? Seeing or hearing. Seeing or hearing. Huh? And there's no barrier between them. A door. There's no barrier between you and the congregation. When we say a door, we mean a door that you cannot see past. A door you cannot, and this is the opinion of the Shafi'iyah. They say that if there's a wall between you and the jama'ah and you can't see them, you can't see anything, you're outside of the masjid. And you're not even on the courtyard of the masjid. You're outside of the masjid, on the road. And there is no itisal, there's no connection of the, of the roads. And the roads are not connected. Rather, there's a masjid, you're the back of the masjid, and you're, uh, there's, a, there's a brick wall, and you can't see anyone. You're by yourself or with two people, right? Then that salah is invalid, according to them. Allah, no. Yeah, it's not just the musallah. It's the whole area. whole area. Jazza. In that case, it's allowed. If there's no barrier, then it's allowed. So that's the conditions of what? If the imam is inside and you're outside. And obviously another condition, that can, which also which he didn't mention, is that you can't be in front of the imam as well here. You can never be in front of the imam. So just write that down for all of the, all of the categories. You can never be in front of the imam. It's part of the masjid. Two floors are part of the masjid. If anyone's in front of the Imam, his salah is invalid. You're not allowed to be in front of the Imam. Mm. That's why we pray upstairs instead of here. Because the khut khut. It's over there, right? That's why we pray upstairs. Here's a better, a bigger space. I can count. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, we're talking about physically being in front of the Imam. As for uh, moving before the Imam moved, then it's also invalidates the Salah. If you do it on purpose. Hmm. Good question. Last question, huh? Salah is invalid, yeah. Hmm. Which is what? You know where the Imam is. And you can either hear or see the Imam. That's what it means. You have it. So you know, you know if he's in Rukur, you know if he's in Shujud, you know where he is. You can hear him or see him. Or you can see someone who can see him. You can see someone who can see someone who can see him. You understand? You sure? Well, that was the last question. Huh? Um, when I say last question, please don't put your hand up after. Allah, it's hard, man. I don't like saying no to people. It's hard for me. Taib. Hmm. Last question, go on. Yeah, so someone praying here and someone praying at the end of the masjid, two people, the salah is valid, even though you miss out on a lot of reward. Um, then we said what? If they're both outside of the masjid, then the condition is again, you have to know the imam, the, the, you have to know the, the salah of the imam. You can either see the imam or you can hear him. Or you can see someone, you can see him, you can see something like that. Hmm? Or you can hear someone who can hear the Imam. How? How? A repeater. Yani, uh, someone, the, the big jama'ah, big jama'ah, before the, before the microphones were invented. Big jama'ah, big congregation, 
the Imam will say Allahu Akbar 50 meters later there will be someone who will say Allahu Akbar with the Imam 50 meters later there will be someone who will say Allahu Akbar with the Imam with that one so you can hear someone you can hear someone you can say you can hear that person you can hear the Imam that's all yeah. and they should do that in Durus as well in lessons of Imam Ahmed Rahimahullah Imam Ahmed used to have thousands 5,000 people attending his classes and so he'll say Haddathana and so the, the person who hit like 10 meters away would turn around and repeat what Imam said and, and they'll do that in, the, in some lessons when there's a big huge gathering they'll do that sometimes and that's why today in the Haram, Mecca, Medina, the Imam, when he says Allah Akbar, you hear the Mu'addin saying, all right, he's following that tradition. There's no need for it. But they follow it, they follow it, it's that, it's that, that tradition from back before. But obviously there's no need because of microphones, like it's just a tradition that they're following. طيب. So now, you have to know the Salah of the Imam. Step number two is that, you must not be far away. What do you mean by far away? According to Shafi'i, 300. They are 150 meters, and in other opinions, that there shouldn't be any barrier. Not barrier, not barrier. Sorry, sorry. A barrier is different to a barrier is something that prevents you from seeing and hearing. This is something that makes you in two different places. You're in two different places, yeah. And if you're on top of a mountain, you can still see him, right? And there's no barrier between them. You can still see on top of the mountain, but you're far away. That's why it's not allowed. So they, they say because it's the distance. And these other ones, they say no, because it's the... You guys are not part of the same congregation. Because of that thing that cut between you. Either way, you're not part of the same congregation. Because you're too far away, or because there's something cut in between you. As for a barrier, then something that prevents seeing or hearing. You see the difference? Yani, if, I, if I put a wall here, I put a wall here. What is that considered to be? Is that considered to be outside of the masjid? What is that considered to be? Is that considered to be a barrier or a, a separation from the jama'ah? Considered to be a barrier. Not, not a distance, yani, a distant thing. You understand? So two different conditions. <laughs> yeah, ha'il is anything that blocks, blocks you, but you're outside the masjid. It blocks. As for the qareeb min al-masjid, you're, you're close to the jama'ah, then it's a distance. You know, when you're both not in the masjid. Distance. Yeah. So there's no barrier, and and it's a short short distance. But the road is considered to be a cutting away, the cutting of the jama'ah. So it's not allowed. No, it's not high. It's that you're not qareeb, far away. طيب. So what condition did I put? Did we put? Can't be far away, and you have to know the salah of the imam, and you can't go in front of him. That's the only conditions. <coughs> far away, you know, you, you, you have to know the salah of the Imam. You can't be far away. And you can't go in front of the Imam. Hmm. Exactly, guys. طيب that is the صلاة الجماعة finished. Is there any مسائل that? Hmm. You just done that. فضاء عند الموات. What did he mention? أما إذا كان في الفضاء فمشكل وينبغي يكون كالموات. فضاء is a desert. Open land. Open land. Mm. Unknown land. Unknown land, yeah. 
الموز انا ولاد ودري سيب هاي هذا يكون اذا كان الحائل واذا كان الجدار ولو كان الفضاء الذي وقع فيه المأموم متصلا بالمسجد طيب وإن صلى الخارج المسجد حلالة الثانية إذا كان الإمام في المسجد والمأموم خارج المسجد ولو كان الفضاء الذي وقف فيه المأموم متصلا بالمسجد وهو مملوك فهل حكمه حكم الموات أم لا نقل في أصل نقل في أصل الرد عن البغوي أنه لا يصح الاقتداء حتى تتصل الصفوف وكذا لو وقف على سطح مملوك متصل بسطح المسجد لا يصح الاقتداء حتى تتصل الصفوف نعم يعني يستوكنا بهيا إذا If because you find in Egypt as well today, a lot of times you don't find it in Muslim modern-day countries today. Like in Egypt, the old city, the old Egypt, and you find it in Azhar and them areas. You find that the masjids are very close to each other, and the houses can be literally connected to the masjid, to the point that the roof of the masjid and the roof of the house is connected. So are you allowed to pray on the roof of the masjid, and then it goes to the roof of the house? Huh? That's what they can. So we said, remember, we said they have to be close together, right? So now. Can you pray? It's the same thing when you're saying, "Can I?" I'm in the hotel. I'm in the hotel, and the masjid jama'ah is in front of me. I can see them. I'm allowed to pray with them. We say only if the rows they reach the hotel. Same thing. If the sof it comes all the way to the roof of the the house, to the, it comes, it connects all the way to your house, then you're allowed. But if you're in your house by yourself and the masjid's roof over there, but you can see the, it's not allowed. Because you're two different buildings. It's not allowed. And it's far away. It's really different. It's the same thing. If they're connected, then it's fine. What did they say? say? When they're connected? Well, yeah. And that's what the, the fatwa that's given in Mecca. We get this question in the scholars. If you listen to the ulama of Mecca, and they say, they say that the ulama of Mecca are the most knowledgeable of in manasik, in hajj. Because you realize when you're in Mecca, you see the people, the questions that they ask, they always ask about manasik hajj. Similarly today, praying inside hotels. If you want to ask about praying inside hotels, ask the ulama of Mecca, the scholars of Mecca, because they always get this question these days. Every time you sit inside the majlis, you see the scholars of Mecca, they're getting at least one question on about, about this and about Umrah, at least. About this, which is, can you pray in the hotel? And the fatwa that they give is that, if the roads are connected all the way to your hotel, then you can. Yeah, so the jama'ah connects you basically, like what I said. But if there is a separation, like a road, or something like that, then it's not allowed. So that's what he means here. So he says here, um, connected Unless there is a door between them. And this is, what, this is what we're talking about back in the days where houses literally will be connected to the masjid. Will be literally connected. And today actually we have, oh, in London, our houses are literally connected to each other. Right? So if you have a masjid, person next door neighbor, the next door neighbor is connected to, to the masjid. Is he allowed to be in his house and pray with them? No, he's not. Because, not necessarily because of the wall, but because he's in a different building. Because remember we said there can't be any ha'il. There can't be any 
This connection, this connection. Mm. Yeah, house in the part of the masjid. Masjid doors open. And you're right outside the masjid and the rows are there, you're right in front of the door, you can pray. It's like that. It doesn't, this, all of this sharh, it doesn't come out of what we've mentioned. All of it. And this is the problem of fiqh. Not problem of fiqh. Not problem of fiqh. This is the problem of beginning fiqh. A person, he goes into the end of fiqh when he hasn't got the beginning, they're going to be confused. If you imagine this, 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 all of this, this kalam. All of it was in the first sentence that we have there. Like when a person jumps straight into this, what's going to happen? It's confused. But in reality, he just needed the, to understand and let it... Most of you put the chicken on the... No? Marinate. All you needed to the fiqh to marinate. marinate. Just wait for it to marinate, then inshallah. And that's the problem with like Right now, if a, if a person was go, to go to a big book on fiqh, he hasn't read, he hasn't understood the, the basic... I'm not saying you haven't. I'm saying like generally, if a person was to do that. Then they're going to go to this, this, all of this, and then they're going to be like, I don't understand what's happening. But it was all just one sentence. And this is just the explanation of one sentence. Huh? And this is why they say that knowledge should be mutadarraj. And you should do it in, 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 in يعني, steps, in small steps. Take small steps. Can a female lead her younger brother if, if he is Tamiz but hasn't reached the puberty? No. Female cannot lead the younger brother if they reach the Tamiz. They cannot lead the younger brother in any situation. Can you have two jama'ahs in one place? Same masjid at the same time? No, it's not allowed. It's not allowed to have two jama'ahs in one masjid at the same time. It's not allowed. Unless, yani it's not allowed, but if it happens, then the salah is, the salah is valid. But it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be happening. When a person joins jama'ah when they were in the last rak'ah, how should they pray the rest of the salah? Should they pray each rak'ah without a surah after fatiha? Naam, if they, <coughs> if they reach the jama'ah, if they reach the jama'ah when they're in the last rak'ah, then they should pray each rak'ah, the, the first one when they make it up, you make the first one up as if you, as the first one, so you recite the surah. And the second one, as if it's the second one, so you recite the surah. Then you do tashahud, no, but you do one tashahud first, you, you reach the third rak'ah. No, 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 I'm So you do it in that row, basically, in that order. Yani, is it, the difference of opinion amongst the scholars on this, when you're making up the salah, after the salah finished, when you, what you missed, are you making up the beginning of the salah, or are you completing the end of the salah? If you're making up the beginning of the salah, then what are you going to do? You're going to recite loudly, if it's Maghrib, and you're going to recite surah after Fatiha in those salah as well. And that's correct, Wallah, and it's the opinion of Ibn Umar, radiallahu ta'ala anhuma. So you recite Fatiha and you recite loudly for Salatul Maghrib. Uh, a surah after Fatiha, whilst the first tashahud, even if you need to do four, do you pray four rak'ah or three? Yeah, you do the first tashahud after every two rak'ah. Yani if you've done one rak'ah with the Imam, then they said salam, then you do one more than tashahud. If you've done two of the imam, then you, the tashahud is, the, is your second, is your first tashahud. And then you do two more and you do one tashahud. If you've done, you missed one, يعني, you need to make one rak'ah, then you make one rak'ah and you do one tashahud. طيب, that should be clear. طيب, um, could you walk in front of people and pray in the jama'ah? Yeah. Can you walk in front of the jama'ah? Yes, you can. But you can't walk in front of the imam. Because the hadith of Ibn Abbas, anhu, in Bukhari Muslim, he said, I was walking, kunt ala atanin. I used to be, I was on a donkey, on a female donkey. And I was going between the rows, and the, prophet, the companions, they were praying in Mina. And he was going between the rows. That shows you're allowed to go between the rows 
of the congregation, but you're not allowed to go in front of the Imam only, because the Imam, he is the sutra, his sutra is the sutra for the rest of the Jama'ah. So that's enough. Wallahu alam. Last question. No, if someone came to join you after, so you're making up salah, so you missed a few rak'ah, and you get up and you make you're making up. Oh yeah, is someone allowed to join you? The Shafi'i they say no, no, a person's not allowed to join you. You're not allowed to join. You're not allowed to join. So you tell them either like this or something like that. Yeah, they're not allowed to join you. Allahu Akbar. طيب فصل في قصر الصلاة وجمعها. Now we're talking about question. We're talking about shortening the salah and combining the salah. Whole different topic. Shortening and combining the salah. When are you allowed to combine? When you're allowed to shorten the salah? He says ويجوز للمسافر قصر الصلاة الرباعية بأربعة شرائط. The first, first, um, <coughs> first thing that a principle that we need to know is that no one is allowed to shorten the salah unless they are a traveller. Shortening the salah is never allowed unless you're a traveller. As for combining the salah, then sometimes it's allowed for different reasons, travelling and other reasons as well. As for shortening, then it's never allowed for anyone except for a traveller. Number two, second principle is that shortening the salah is only for the salah, salawat with four rak'ah. So are you allowed to shoot in Maghrib? Never, because it's three rak'ah. You're only allowed to shoot in which salah? Dhuhr, Asr, and Isha. These are only three salah, salawat you're allowed to shoot into. Shooten. They're four rak'ah, you're allowed to shoot in them too? Two rak'ah. Two rak'ah. Hmm? That's the first two principles I want to mention. Hmm? You got it? Hmm. وَيَجُوزُ لِلْمُسَافِرِ قَصْرُ الصَّلَاةِ الرُّبَاعِيَةِ So it is allowed for the traveller to shorten the salah which has four rak'ah بِأَرْبَعَةِ شَرَائِطِ with four conditions So there's four conditions for you to be allowed to shorten the salah Number one is أَنْ يَكُونَ سَفَرُهُ فِي غَيْرِ مَعْصِيَةِ The first condition is that his salah or he's, he's travelling you're a traveller you're travelling not to sin you're not travelling to sin a person is going, he's traveling to where? Somewhere to go have a, to go to, uh, to party. Or he's going to somewhere to do haram. To a country to do haram. This is the intention for traveling. Is he allowed to shorten the salah? He's not allowed to shorten the salah. Why? Because the principle is, لا تستباحوا الرخص بالمعصية The رخصة of Allah, the permission that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to us, it doesn't become allowed for you whilst you're sinning. And you're sinning, in order to get, and you get a rukhsa from Allah? No, it's not allowed. Taib. Number... Hmm? No, that's different. And if you get ill because you've done something haram, it's different. It's different. Taib. Um... Sorry? Does the? The intention of what? Yeah, he has the intention whilst traveling of doing haram. As for this person, that he got ill after doing haram. It's different. It's not the same. طيب, the second condition is that this travel. The travel that allows you to shorten the salah, is it every travel, any type of travel, as long as you leave London, for example, or within London, west to east London is very far away. I'm allowed to shorten the salah when I go into west London. I'm allowed? No, you're not. Huh? So the condition is that, 
أن تكون مسافته ستة عشر فرسخا it has to be sixteen فرسخ sixteen فرسخ from sixteen فرسخ is equal to, to approximately today eighty eighty six kilometers around forty eight miles hmm? so you have to be traveling the distance of eighty six kilometers from the edge of London the edge of the city what do you mean by the edge of the city the end of the buildings the end of the buildings as soon as the buildings are finished then you count from there to the next city 86 kilometers then you're considered to be a traveler is that clear 86 kilometers 16 farsakh mm. approximately yani. approximately like 81 86 84 85 no problem Approximate, it's approximate. This is not the taqrib, not the tahdid. So it's approximate. So someone even 79 is allowed. Even 79 is fine. So it's approximate. Mm. 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 So is, is it, yeah, if you had the walls of city, like back in the days they have a city wall, then it's from the walls of the city. Yeah, so يعني, as soon as the London, London ends, then that's the end of the city. But that's generally where the buildings finish. يعني. صح? Build, يعني, once you see, يعني, there's no more buildings of, of London. You're outside now, you start seeing green. It becomes green. No, not postcode. I'm talking about postcode. It's about building. They say Umran al-Balad, the buildings of the city. Once you start seeing green, يعني, basically. When you start leaving London, you start seeing a bit more green. Oh, yeah, you don't. The buildings are finished. And that's it. Is that clear? Three farsakh. Are you sure? Four burud. You mean? Burud. Mm-hmm. No, they bring this hadith, these are hadith, they say that this is that the Prophet وسلم, would shorten the salah and there is difference of opinion and this eighty this Arba'at Burud. Ibn Taymiyyah takes the opinion that there's no limit, there's no distance. As long as you know it's a travel, then it's a travel. Yani if you're going if you're going to yani Coventry or some no it's Coventry as far away. Um somewhere that's not eighty six kilometers. But it's, it's still a travel, you're taking a suitcase and stuff like that. Then he says that's a travel. But hakikatan is a bit hard, that opinion. And, and the, the way the, the Imam Shafi'i and the other scholars, the majority of the scholars, they tackle these ahadith that show otherwise, is that they say the Prophet وسلم, he started to combine at that time. Because you're allowed to combine even if you travel three farsakh, right? If you travel outside of London and I go to Luton, but I'm intending to go to Birmingham. Whilst I'm in Luton, I'm allowed to travel. As soon as I leave London, I'm allowed to shorten the, the salah. As soon as I leave London, I'm considered a traveler. Even if I haven't left, يعني by, it's 86 kilometers. As soon as I leave London, then I'm a traveler. But what's the important thing is that I intend to go 86 kilometers. So if my intention is to go to Birmingham, then I'm a traveler as soon as I leave London. As soon as I leave the buildings of London, I'm a traveler. Because I intend to go Birmingham. Similarly, they say we're going we're gonna to see the... Um, when it comes to the, 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 the days, the amount of days, we're going to say four days. Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam though he, com- he, he, he traveled I mean he combined when he was in Mecca for 18 days. We say because the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he didn't know how long he was staying in Mecca for. But if you intend four days or more, 
than your traveler. If you intend less than four, uh, four days or less than your traveler, or more, then you're not a traveler. But if you don't know, like, Mecca, like the Prophet وسلم, when he went to Mecca, or when Ibn Umar was in Azerbaijan, or when some of them they went to Tabuk for six months, they were shortening the salah because they didn't know. And as long as you don't know, then you can shorten the salah, you're a traveler. Yeah, and that's how they, they mentioned those hadith now. Last question. No, a woman's not allowed to travel travel in distance, wallahu alam. Now, can we speak about that at the end? If there's a question, we can, we can ask at the end, inshallah, about that. So you have to be 16 farsakh And obviously there is difference of opinion amongst the scholars on that Like in the, uh, I would point to the brothers and sisters Make sure that you are not taking the opinion And using it in, a, in, a, in an unacceptable way يعني Some people would say Leaving London even if you're going to What's the closest place? Slau is a travel Slau is not a travel according to anyone Even Ibn Taymiyyah's opinion Slau is not a travel Impossible to be a travel Because Slau Yani in Ibn Taymiyyah's opinion is what? That it is considered to be a travel. Who here considers Slough to be a travel? Do you consider Slough to be a travel when you go to Slough and back? Yani obviously sometimes we do consider when you're going to West London a travel. Like if someone in West London, when you're in, 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 in Hayes, you want to go to Slough, 10 minutes, huh? something like that. 15-20 minutes to go to Slough. That's not a travel according to anyone's mind. In anyone's mind it's not a travel. So a person needs to be careful of what is considered to be travel if they take the other opinion. Rather that opinion can make something that is a travel, not a travel. And according to us sometimes, some pers- some pers- a person, he might go to Birmingham every day. Every day he's going to 86 kilometers and back. He might not consider it to be a travel. According to the opinion of Mithimi, he's not a traveler. Because he doesn't consider it to be a travel. He just goes and backs for enjoyment purposes. Mecca to Jeddah. Mecca to Jeddah, according to the opinion of Imam Shafi and the majority, you can, you can shorten. Like, and according to Mithimi's opinion, a lot, of, a lot of people in Saudi, they don't consider Jeddah and Mecca. They consider Jeddah and Mecca a going out to eat. Yeah, according to what is, what is known So I would advise the brothers and sisters Be careful of what you consider to be a travel Don't play That's why Ibn Umar, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, He said that anyone who shortens the salah Anyone who shortens the salah Or combines the salah Without a reason Then he's committed a major sin Without a reason He's committed a major sin So it's very important to be Careful about the salah of a person And a person is going to Somewhere close And you've considered to be a traveler It's not befitting So 16 farasakh According to his opinion And the other opinion is Also different The next condition for you to be able to shorten the salah Is that you have to be praying the salah on time On its time The salah that you're shortening You must be praying it on its, at its time What do you mean by you praying it at its time? Let's say a person He forgot to pray Zuhur Then he traveled at Maghrib time Isha time He's a traveler and he's on the airplane And he remembers all oh, Zuhur I didn't pray it when I was at home is he, he has to pray it now, right? He's on the plane. He has to pray, right? Is he allowed to shorten it? No, he's not. Because he's not praying at its time. And he's not qada'an. It has to be ada'an, not qada'an. Do you understand? Do you understand that? He has to be praying at its time when it came in. وَأَنْ يَنْوِيَ الْقَصْرَ مَعَ الْإِحْرَامِ The next condition that the Shafi'i they say is that a person must intend to shorten when they're beginning the salah. So before you start salah, you must intend to shorten the salah. You can't go into the salah and then you realize, hold on, I'm a traveler. Let me do it to you, Raka'ah. This is the Shafi'i opinion. Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, this is not a condition. Wallahu alam, it's not a condition. Wallahu alam. To be honest, look, this is the opinion of the four imams. All of them. So it's safer. Four imams, and it's not something simple, you know. But Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, says that, no, the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa never told the companions this. 
Alright, and we're gonna come also when the conditions they say when it comes combining the salah, they say you have to combine one one straight after the other. So duhur and then straight after you have to pray asr. If you delay ten minutes something, then you can't. You have to wait until asr now. And the Taymiyyah says no, it's not a condition either. Please to Allah alim. Yeah, so could he, if you now, if you don't, if you're, if, you're, if you're in a country, you're a traveler, you don't have to attend the Jum'ah Salah if you're a traveler. So even that six months, you don't have to attend the Jum'ah Salah. No. No. What, does, what does shortening the Salah mean when traveling? Yani, what did we say? We mentioned this. Shortening the Salah when you're traveling is to make a, a Salah which is four raka'ah, you make it two raka'ah. So you only pray two raka'ah for dhuhr, and you say salam after two raka'ah. That's what we mean by it. And Asr and Isha. Not Maghrib and Fajr. Because you can't shorten Maghrib and you can't shorten Fajr. Naam. Traveling via Mahram will take it at the end, inshaAllah ta'ala. وَأَنْ يَكُونَ مُؤَدِّيًا لِلصَّلَاةِ وَأَنْ يَنْوِيَ الْقَصْرَ مَعَ الْإِحْرَامِ وَيَجُوزُ لِلْمُسَافِرِ أَنْ يَجْمَعَ بَيْنَ الظُّهْرِ وَالْعَصْرِ The traveler is allowed to combine between Zuhur and Asr. So now we're talking about combining the Salah. What do we mean by combining the Salah? We mean by combining the salah is to pray both salah at the time of the earlier one or the later one. To pray dhuhr at the time to pray dhuhr and asr at the time of dhuhr, or to pray dhuhr and asr at the time of asr, and to pray maghrib and isha at the time of maghrib, or to pray maghrib and isha at the time of isha. You're allowed to combine the salah. So you pray dhuhr straight away after you finish your dhuhr. You pray you pray asr as well. And then when Asr time comes in, you don't have to pray. Because you already prayed Asr. Similarly, Maghrib, same thing. Is that clear? وَيَجُوزُ So what, what Salah are you allowed to combine? You're allowed to combine between Zuhr and Asr. So you cannot combine between Fajr and any other Salah. You can't do Isha and Fajr, or Fajr and Zuhr. And you, so only Zuhr and Asr. So you're not allowed to combine between Maghrib and Asr either. Maghrib and Asr, you can't combine between them. So you can combine between Zuhr and Asr and Maghrib and Isha. Maghrib and Isha, you're allowed to combine between those two. Those are, these are the only two, four salawats you're allowed to combine between. Zuhur and Asr, and also Maghrib and Isha. Fi waqti ayyihima sha, at any of the times. So you can, you can choose, whichever one's easier for you. Let's say, you're on the airplane right now, it's Zuhur time, you're going to land, and it's Asr time. So what do you do? You delay Zuhur until Asr time. So you pray, Zuhur and Asr when you land, combined. وَيَجُوزُ لِلْحَاضِرِ والمغرب والعشاء في وقت أي ما شاء. إزاكلي جاهز. كمبينا. Sorry sorry sorry. Yeah, you can pray with it after. You can pray with it after. So he says, الظهر والعصر and the مغرب والعشاء. إزاكلي جاهز. إزاكلي. Because I don't pass it on for it quickly. Everyone knows how to combine and shorten? Mm. You can shorten and combine. Mm. So you can play Dhuhr and Asr two, two. two for Dhuhr, two for Asr. If you're traveling, that is. As for combining, then you're allowed to combine even if you're not a traveler sometimes. And we're going to mention it here. He says, uh, what's the question? Yeah. So it's two separate rak'ahs. You pray two and then salam for dhuhr. Then another iqamah. Then you pray two rak'ah asr, salam. Like that. Okay, is that clear? 
Mm. Can you pray two in Jama'ah? Yeah, that's what we do. You're supposed to pray two in Jama'ah. With the condition that the Imam is a traveler as well. So let's say the Imam is not a traveler, he's praying four. I'm allowed to leave after two? No, by Ijma' Ibn Mundir says the, no, no difference of opinion. After two, you have, you have to follow the Imam. Yeah, if the Imam is praying four, you have to pray four. If the Imam is praying two, you have to pray two. Even if the Imam was in the last rak'ah, you join at the last rak'ah and the Imam was praying four, then in that case, you have to complete four. Mm. Yeah, then if the Imam is a traveler and the Ma'moom is resident, then the Ma'moom stands up after the Imam says salam, the Ma'moom stands up and completes his two rak'ah. Behind? Behind, yeah? La, you do all together at the end. At the end. Okay, if you didn't know, then that's it. La, you can leave Allah. If you didn't know, you can't know. You can't do anything about it. So, last question. Yeah, and if you're a traveler and you pray Jum'ah, uh, are you allowed to pray Asr straight after? The Shafi'i, they allow it. The Shafi'i allows it. Wallahu alam. Mm. So one who, or someone who's combining the Salah, you're allowed to combine the Salah sometimes when you're not allowed to shorten the Salah. Generally, you're allowed to shorten and combine when you're traveling. All the time. If you're traveling, 100% you can shorten and combine. But we mentioned there's also other times that you can combine the Salah. Everyone knows what we mean by combining the Salah, right? Praying one of the salah at the time of one of them. Praying both of the salah at the time of one of the two salah. So praying dhuhr and the asr at the time of dhuhr or asr. And praying maghrib and isha at the time of maghrib or at the time of isha. He says, A person who is, a, is not a traveler, he is allowed to combine when there is rain. He is allowed to combine when there is rain. And that is for the imam of the masjid. That's for the Imam of the Masjid only, not for the person praying at home. They can't combine because there's rain outside, because the rain is not affecting them. They're at home. It's allowed for the one who's in the, the Imam of the Masjid. If it is raining, then it's allowed for him to combine Maghrib and Isha at the time of the earlier of the two prayers, at the time of the earlier ones. So he allows, he's allowed to do Jam'u Taqdeem. Praying at the time of the earlier prayers is called Jam'u Taqdeem. And praying at the time of the later prayers is called Jam'u Ta'khir. Praying at the time of the earlier prayers is called Jam'u Taqdeem, Taqdeem. And praying at the time of the later prayers is called Jam'u Ta'khir, Ta'khir, to delay. So you're allowed to do Jam'u Taqdeem or Jam'u Ta'khir, anytime, generally. But when it's raining, you're only allowed to do Jam'u Taqdeem, Taqdeem, you're allowed to make it earlier. Huh? And the scholars, they say, this, this, this combines, this, uh, what comes under this raining, any hardship. Any extreme hardship, like mud, extreme. Let's say it rains a lot, a lot of rain, and it's muddy in, in the cities, in certain countries. Muddy. Then they go out. It's going to be hard for them. You're allowed to pray. They're allowed to combine because of that, or they're allowed to pray at home. Or, for example, someone's at the airport, and they know that they're going to be on the airplane. If they go on the airplane, they're not going to be able to pray standing up. They know that the salah time is going to come in and finish. And you're not going to be able to pray standing up unless I pray sitting down. So what do I do? At the airport, I pray Dhuhr and Asr. Even if I'm still a resident. We haven't left the city yet, right? Because Heathrow is still in the city, right? So you pray four raka'ah of Dhuhr and four raka'ah of Asr, but you pray it together. Because you know that you're not going to be able to pray standing up. 
So jam' combining is easy, is, is, more, is more wide than, more open than uh, shortening. But who decides when you're allowed to combine? And it's a personal knowledge, you have to ask a personal knowledge. No, full cast of rain is not allowed for you to combine because of that. No. Do you have to hasten to pray when combining the prayers? For example, Asr comes in at 5.06. Can you pray Dhuhr and Asr at 6? Yes, you can. It has to be within the time of Asr, within that time. So, and, no, it has to be in the order as well. It has to be within that time. Um, طيب, not, another mas'ala. What's better? Is it better for you to shorten or not? When you're traveling, is it better for you to shorten or is it better for you to pray fully? We say it is better for you to pray sh to shorten. It's better for you to shorten. Because it's a rukhsa which Allah has given you. It's a permission which Allah has concession which Allah has given you. And Allah loves in Allah yuhibu an tu'ta rukhasuhu kama yuhibu an tu'ta azaimuhu. Allah loves for someone to come and to do what He allowed you to do. The concessions. So is it better to shorten the salah? Babe, is it better to combine or not? Is it better to combine or not? We say, if a person is on the route of travel, and you're walking, you're on plane, you're in the car, you're on, on route on the travel, then it is better for you to, sh to shorten and combine. As for if you're in a city now, let's say I'm in a city, I'm in Birmingham or Manchester, I'm there for three days, then it's better for me to shorten the salah, but pray each at its time. So I pray Zuhur at its time, Asr at its time, Maghrib at its time, Isha at its time. And I shorten it. But I don't combine. And that's better. Are you allowed to combine? You're allowed to combine. Is that clear? Mm. Tayyip, some of the evidences to show that you're allowed to combine and shorten the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the Quran وَإِذَا ضَرَبَتُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ فَلَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ جُنَاحٌ أَن تَقُصُرُوا مِنَ الصَّلَاةِ إِنْ خِفْتُمْ يَفْتِنَكُمْ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا If you're traveling, then there is no problem for you to shorten the salah. And the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud narrated by Al-Bukhari Muslim, he says, Sallaytu ma'a Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam raka'atayni, ma'a Abi Bakr raka'atayni, wa ma'a Umar raka'atayni. Ibn Mas'ud, he said that I prayed with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Abu Bakr and Umar, two raka'ah. I prayed, I traveled with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and with Abu Bakr and with Umar. فَكَانُوا يُصَلُّونَ الظُّهْرَ وَالْعَصْرَ رَكَعَتَيْنِ رَكَعَتَيْنِ They used to pray ظُهْرَ and عَصْرَ two raka'ah, two raka'ah. كَوْنُ السَّفْرُ طَاعَ بِالْاتِفَاقِ نعم, no difference of opinion there. طيب, and then he says, وَيْجُوزِ الْحَاضِرِ وَاحْتَجَ الْجَمْعِ صلى بالمدينة ثمانيا جميعا وسبعا جميعا الظهر والعصر والمغرب والعشاء. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he combined in مدينة whilst not travelling he combined between مغرب ظهر عصر and مغرب عشاء من غير خوف ولا سفر. نعم. Is better to shorten than not combine because the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would do that when he was in Mecca. He would shorten without combining. But when he was traveling, he would shorten and combine. It's better. But you're allowed to do it in either case. Taib, next lesson. We might need one extra lesson. To finish Janais. But normally it takes one lesson. So one, two lessons. How many lessons do you have left? One lesson. One lesson. So maybe inshallah. So next Friday we're going to take a lesson. And I'll tell you guys when we're going to have our extra lesson. 
it might be on the Tuesday 24th or it might be the 22nd instead of the other book Wallahu alam this is, and we're going to stop at Salatul Jumu'ah so right now what we have left is Salatul Jumu'ah Friday prayer Salatul Eidain the two Eid prayers that the Eid prayer takes not long Salatul Kusuf the eclipse prayers Istisqa which is the prayer for rain we can take that all in one lesson then Salatul Khawf, which is the fear prayer, the war prayer. Then a, a small chapter on clothing. Then Janaiz, which takes another whole lesson. So inshallah ta'ala, we'll try to do normal lesson. Um, sorry, no, Allah alam,